Sunday, the 5th of March. I'm Randy Coure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. We are live via Twitter spaces if you're downloading today's episode or catching it on YouTube. We appreciate you as always. We are uh, in the stretch drive of the NHL regular season. The trade deadline has passed us on Friday, and it's a real treat to welcome today's panelists for uh, chat about some puck. Uh, Liam Gottimer is the Director of Broadcasting and Communications for the Atlanta Gladiators of the East Coast Hockey League and joins us from the ATL. Liam, how are you? I'm doing really well, Randy. Thank you so much uh, for having me and Will on your podcast and uh, I'm ready to talk some hockey. No, it's uh, no pleasure is mine, definitely. And speaking of Will, he is Will Pesek. He is a producer for News 12 out of Hunter Valley uh, in the Long Island, New York area and just came off a two, uh, shift at from two in the morning uh, yeah. <laughs> and is gracious. Uh, he's running on fumes, but he looks beautiful. Will, thank you so much. How are you? Yeah, totally, totally, you know, happy to be here. This is my weekend routine. I I, I really don't get much sleep. I come home. I mean, NASCAR's on today, 3.30. I'll be watching that. No hockey on today. Islanders and Rangers can't watch any of that. But we'll have some basketball to watch today. But everything's very good. Thanks for having us on your show, Randy. Really appreciate it. No, definitely looking forward to it. Thank you so much. So, uh, guys, as mentioned, the uh, NHL trade deadline has uh, come and gone. And it was really uh, difficult to kind of uh, pinpoint where to start. I'm assuming you boys don't want to talk about the fact that Shea Weber has been traded, but uh, <laughs> I figured, uh, you know, close to you guys, uh, you know, in Broadway, uh, might as well start with the New York Rangers. And uh, they did make a splash um, as uh, they picked up uh, Stanley Cup champion uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, he is on his way to uh, Broadway after spending his entire career uh, with St. Louis. Uh, you know, this year has been a uh, struggle uh, coming, uh, you know, with 38 points in 50 games. But you know what? Before we get into that, you know, uh, Will, like the NHL trade deadline, uh, forgive me, I did uh, kind of jump the gun here. I mean, now that everything has been said and done, are you able to summarize the uh, trade deadline maybe in five words or less? <laughs> Chaotic until it got boring. <laughs> and I say that because all the moves were happening a week away, a couple days away. And then on Friday, we really didn't have the headliner move. We thought it was going to be James Van Riemsdyk. A deal was in the works with Detroit. That obviously fell through. But we're forgetting who kicked off the whole trade party. That was Lou Lamarillo, the former Maple Leaf GM, Kurt Islander, president of hockey operations. He kicked it off all-star weekend down in Sunrise, Florida, when he got Bo Horvat. For the first round pick, Aturatu and uh, Anthony Mobilier. And ever since then, it's been a flurry of moves. A couple days later, you said the Rangers got Tarasenko. 
and then it was just a, a pivot, one to the next, one to the next, one to the next. I have a shocker that I was surprised got moved with a, a you know a term, but I'll get to that later on. But Randy, yeah, if I had to summarize it, chaotic until it got boring because it's true. It was tech- Tuesday. <laughs> we thought it was a deadline. Everybody was getting moved on Tuesday, and then Friday. I guess the headliner was Curtis Lazar going to Jersey. So that was the big move on Friday. I mean, uh, if you want to summarize uh, the NHL trade deadline as that's so NHL, the fact that all these <laughs> trades take place before the actual deadline day itself. And, uh, Will, you mentioned of uh, Bo Horvat. I did tease uh, Tarasenko, that Patrick Kane fellow is heading to uh, Broadway as well. Uh, Liam, were you surprised that so many uh, big dames uh, have switched jerseys uh, for this uh, trade deadline window? Yeah, you know, I was just really surprised that a lot of the contending teams went for it. If you look at any team, you know, especially in the Eastern Conference, you know, I'll go into the West as we move along in the show here. But if you look at all of the top end Eastern Conference teams, even teams that are in the wild card race, like the Islanders, they all went for it. Maybe outside Carolina, who acquired Yessi Puyarvi, but the Devils, they acquire the biggest name at the deadline in Timo Meyer. I think he's a bigger name than Patrick Kane. The Rangers acquire Kane and Tarasenko. The Boston Bruins acquire Garnet Hath way and Dmitry Arlov and I think that mm-hmm. those two players are going to help Boston so much in the stretch run and you're adding two crucial pieces two pieces that are going to help immensely in the postseason to one of the greatest teams in NHL history at least statistically in the Boston Bruins who are on the precipice of 50 wins the Toronto Maple Leafs we'll talk about them as the show goes along they added a multitude of players all throughout their lineup the Tampa Bay Lightning they overpaid for Tanner Janot we'll talk about that but I think (laughs) at the end of the day I think that all of the teams who were contending and saw a window to win the Stanley cup went full on to try and make that a reality so randy if i could just feed off liam um please please. something something i noticed when doing that liam said all of the eastern conference teams went for it but are we can we make the point that the winner of the east is going to win the stanley cup because aside from the dallas stars who got max domi the eastern conference had all the big moves and then Carolina bolted their bullpen with Shane Goss and Spare. There's not one team in the Eastern Conference that should look at themselves in a Stanley Cup final and say, you are an underdog. That includes any of the wildcard teams. Any of the wildcard teams. Well, you know, uh, I, I mean, uh, was going to mention this in the uh, uh, towards uh, the end of the show, but I mean, uh, you know, well, no better time than the present. Like, I wonder if all these moves are for naught because look at the Boston Bruins. I mean, they're playing like the uh, Canadians of the 70s. Uh, they're yeah. just completely ripping it. And, I mean, in the end, uh, who is Linus Allmark? Uh, as a goaltender, I mean, like he's having a great year. Uh, hey, he's got a, a heck of a goal-scoring a goal touch as well. But, uh, you know, you think of uh, – you think of um, – where uh, a Boston is, you know, do they have the goaltending, the proven goaltending? Uh, um, Igor Shosturkin has been uh, dubbed the one of the two greatest goalies uh, currently. Maybe Vasilevsky still has a leg up on him. Um, that being said, Tampa has played so much hockey over the past three years. Kind of sucks when you go to, yeah, <laughs> kind of sucks, I guess, when you go to uh, three state straight cup finals. But uh, hey, I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just uh, really, um, I, I don't know if, uh, I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs, right? Now, let me ask you this, Randy and Liam. 
Do you think teams like the Red Wings and teams outside of that wild card spot sold off so quickly because, like Randy said, that they maybe came to the realization, if we get in, we're going to play Boston in round one. Is it worth selling assets to potentially get swept in four games by the Boston Bruins? Now, I ask myself the same question. As an Islander fan, we traded away a first-round pick, Aturatu and Andy Mobilier, to potentially, most likely, play the Bruins in a round one matchup. Is that ideal? Absolutely not. But as saying goes, anybody could get in. But I'm curious, what do you guys think? you guys think teams were afraid to realize, hey, we don't want to sell too much because even if we get in, we cannot beat Boston? Liam? Yeah, well, I'll touch on that first. And, you know, you know, you take a look at some of the teams in the Eastern Conference wildcard, like you mentioned. Well, I think Detroit, as much as they sold off, they also wanted to buy. You know, you just said it at the beginning of the podcast. They wanted to acquire James Van Riemsdyk from the Philadelphia Flyers, just couldn't make the dollars work. But I think just generally in the broader perspective of what you're saying, Will, I think that many teams are, A, looking at the teams at the top of the Eastern Conference. How many wildcard teams can honestly look at their group and say, yeah, we can beat Carolina in a seven-game series? Series. I think yeah, Pittsburgh, New Pittsburgh Jersey, might. the Rangers or Boston, not many is my point. And when you conversely look at the upcoming draft class and the top three players that are going to be available, Connor Bedard is the best player to come through the NHL entry draft since Connor McDavid. And you got Mitchkov and Fantelli who are right behind them at two and three, respectively. You can place them however you want, but these teams have a chance for those three players. And if it means selling off and towards the latter end of the season, losing your fair share of games to get yourself in better draft position. I think that's something that general managers around the league are not going to shy away from. Um, so that's why I see teams like Washington selling off. You know, you see Ottawa buying with Jacob Chikrin, but Pittsburgh, you know, trying for that one last run. But there are some teams who are looking at this draft and are really salivating. And that's why they're selling off maybe a little bit more prematurely than they would have otherwise. I, I think my opinion in this is that just because you want to tank doesn't mean that the players are going to tank for you. I mean, they are uh, they are in the league and they are uh, you know obviously want to make a make a a long run in their career. Uh, you know, management and ownership can uh, say and wish and do whatever they want, but doesn't mean that the players are going to uh, buy in. You know, as a Toronto Raptors fan, years ago uh, they uh, there was this uh, push to tank for Andrew Wiggins. And uh, Masai Ujiri, the general manager, uh, made trades. Uh, you know, he traded uh, Patrick Patterson and uh, John Sal- uh, got, uh, you know, Patrick Saddles. Um, long story short is that they made a run. They got rid of Rudy Gay. Uh, and then, uh, you know, ever since um, uh, that draft class with Wiggins, Raptors didn't tank per se. And, uh, you know, they won a championship. And now uh, they're... Obviously now uh, uh, for Victor Wembenyama, apparently he's going to be the second coming of Christ. And uh, just like uh, just like Connor Bedard, uh, the fact of the matter is is that only one team gets these guys. So I mean, uh, you know, you uh, you mentioned Centilli uh, uh, and uh, um, are they at the level of Connor Bedard? Apparently not. So I mean, like throw away a season, but you have such a limited chance, you know, to get this blue chipper. And if, and if I can add to that, uh, you made a really good point, Randy, and, you know, I'll direct our attention to the Ottawa Senators, you know, who came out earlier in the week prior to the trade deadline and said, 
we believe in this group. We want management to believe in this group. It was Derek Brassard who just had his 1000th game against the Rangers and of course scored two goals, but I digress. <laughs> um, but again, that is the Ottawa senators front office listening to their players and understanding that they're not going to tank for us and that we're close enough to the wild card race. And that's why they went out and acquired a big piece at the deadline. Now I'm sure we'll talk about it as the show goes on, but you make a really good point, Randy. And for sure prospects at the end of the day are just prospects and as hyped up as Mitch Gov and fantastic, Kelly and Bedard are, you never know until they hit the ice, how they're going to impact players, uh, teams around the NHL. Well, and, I mean, Liam, that, that's, and, and that's something that I wanted to touch on too. I put it out on Twitter yesterday, Shannon Hogan, who reports for the Islander for MSG network. She asked Lou Labrillo that same exact question is in recent memory, they've traded away all their first round picks, right? 2019, they traded away for JG Pajot. The following year was Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak. This year was for um, Alexander Romero. Next year's was for Bo Horvat. So they asked the question to Lou Lambrillo, you're trading away all your first-round picks to win right now. What does your future look like? And Lou Lambrillo simply said, he said, look at all of our guys who we got for a first-round draft pick. I signed them to long-term deals. Pajot got six. Palmieri got five. Romanov got three. Bo Horvat got eight. And he said, look at the guys that they took. Are any of them going to have an impact now or in the next four or five years? The answer is no. So teams are realizing, hey, if we don't have a shot to win number one, number two, maybe even number three, go all out. Vancouver got a first-round pick from the Islanders for Bo Horvat. That's top 12 protected. Vancouver said, you know what? We don't view that pick to be worth anything. We'll trade it to Detroit. Welcome, Philip Roddick. So teams are saying to themselves, we saw – we don't like the options where the where we're gonna be. We'll trade it away. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Vancouver. We're gonna to touch on Vancouver because I mean that that uh, team just seems to be an absolute dumpster fire. But uh, I mean, anyway, we'll get to that in a, in a few moments. What I did want to show, uh, fellas, obviously uh, with uh, Will being in uh, in New York and Liam now in Atlanta. Uh, you know, uh, in case if you guys weren't aware, uh, Canadians are really into hockey. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that NHL trade deadline is basically a hockey fan's Christmas. And uh, it's basically um, morning, afternoon and evening of trade deadline day coverage. I did want to show you guys what uh, TSN looks like uh, during uh, trade deadline. And uh, you can see that we have a full crazy beyond panel of, I'm counting 12 people at the various desks. And uh, it's uh, no different for the other uh, sports station, uh, national sports station here in Canada. Uh, you know, I do have to ask, fellas, uh, in a hockey perspective, does anything even remotely come close uh, during uh, trade deadline day coverage in the U.S. No, well, trade deadline coverage is is, is phenomenal here, and here, actually in the states, what what you just showed, NHL Network aired all day. Mm. So I know. Sorry, let Liam, please. Real quick, on the flip side, I will say that the coverage of the NHL by ESPN in the United States, who currently has a deal with the National Hockey League, is abysmal. Uh, Michael Kay showed up on First Take, the show with Stephen A. Smith, and he was asked, 
who is going to be the first New York team to win a championship. And he smacked his hand on the desk and said, Rangers. And the first words out of Stephen A. Smith's mouth was, oh, Lord, they don't count. They don't count. And even the host said they don't count. We're talking about real sports here, baseball, uh, baseball and football and basketball. He didn't say real sports, but of course, that's what many people are insinuating. Um, And it was uh, received with a ton of backlash. So, Randy, I'll actually disagree with Will here. And I'll say that the panel that we just saw in that picture on TSN is unlike anything we'll see in the United States. Look, Will is absolutely correct in that the NHL Network airs exactly that, but they don't put on their own production like that. Right? They're only posting that because or they're only showing that because they know that that is the epitome of hockey coverage on NHL fans Christmas day, which of course is the NHL trade deadline. So I think that the coverage of hockey in the United States is, is subpar to say the least. But at the same time, at the same time, I, I understand why that the United States and ESPN, they don't cater to hockey as much. I love hockey. It's my favorite sport. Right. But in, in the United States, right. Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, they all played on the same team here. James Harden played on the same team here. That was the story in New York, was the Brooklyn Nets for many, many years. The Mets getting Scherzer, DeGrom, Verlander, that was the story. The Yankees and Rodon, that was the story. Hockey became on the back burner because people in New York don't know much about the Islanders or the Rangers that much. Like on a typical day, you turn into sports radio in New York. Today, they're talking about John Morant and the gun allegations in the nightclub in Memphis. But right. if you turn on sports talk in Montreal, they're talking about the Montreal Canadiens. That's the difference between the two countries is that this time of year, hockey is an afterthought. But come playoff time, Randy, leave can attest, come playoff time, everybody's a hockey fan. I'm a Wilder fan that say, game one today, we're winning. I'm like, where have you been all year? Where have you been all season? <laughs> it, it, it's true. Everybody all of a sudden now is a Ranger fan. Patrick Kane, Ranger fan. I'm like, where have you been all season? Great deadlines here. We're going to jump out of the bed. Come on. So Liam's right. USA will never see the coverage Canada gets, but NHL Network does air that, and they have no choice because they can't put on that type of production because Canada just outdoes everybody in that category. Well, why is that? I mean, um, we are going to talk uh, trade deadline. Uh, no, I swear. I promise. <laughs> but uh, no, this is such a great conversation. And it's something that uh, I am personally interested in. Hockey fans in uh, my country are interested in. Why hasn't it taken off in the U.S.? I mean, uh, I just think because are... basketball is superior. You know, I think, you know, but so is football. No- Notice, right, and like no disrespect to the great country of Canada, but out of all the football teams, there's not one in Canada. The closest one is the Buffalo Bills. Out of all the NBA teams, there's only one in Toronto, where in the NHL, you have Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, Calgary. There's so many teams in, in the NHL that they have the multi-country coverage. And now the NHL is trying to expand their league into the into Czechia, into Germany, into China, where the NFL is doing the same thing, but with England. So I think in the United States that they care more about what Kevin Durant is doing now in Phoenix. They care more about if the Chicago Bulls were going to trade for Zach Levine uh, to the Knicks, and if the Knicks were going to get Pascal Siakam, and now spring training's happening, what's going to happen? In, and same thing with baseball, right? There's only one team, that, and, that, and that's in Toronto. You guys had the Expos. But I think the United States, they just cater more to what sports that they know drives the most 
force. No, in, I, in I, I completely, I completely agree and get that. But I mean, why doesn't it drive? What now? Uh, there's a, a couple of theories off the top of my head, and boys, I'd love to get your opinion on this. Is it because basketball and football players have more personality? Hockey players, I mean, honestly, it's like watching lin linoleum curl. I swear, like with all due respect, I mean, like I, I, there's nothing more that I love to see than my Maple Leafs win a Stanley Cup, but they don't have much of a personality. Number one, number two. Um, is it possible that the United States is not the most superior at this point? I mean, obviously, uh, when it comes to Olympic uh, uh, hockey, uh, you know, uh, 1980 was a miracle on ice, a major sports story uh, in the United States. Uh, but uh, they haven't won uh, when NHL uh, participation took place. World Cup of Hockey, uh, you know, it's not a consistent four-year stretch. Um, is that something that may be a reason why? Well, you know, Randy, um, I'll uh, attest to your first point about the NHL players not necessarily having a ton of personality, uh, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, I think when you compare players like James Harden, who will have these colorful interviews, or LeBron James, who will make headlines with whatever he says in the postgame presser or whatever, and then you compare that to... Casey Sezikis, like we were just talking about, or even Patrick Kane, who is the most, you know, soft-spoken superstar in the world. You know, if you ask him, you know, how'd you do tonight when you lost to the Boston Bruins on a Saturday afternoon, you know, he'd probably say, oh, you know, we could have done better. You know, we got to work out as a team. You know, we're going to gel. But if you ask LeBron James after he gets blown out, you know, maybe you'll have a little bit of a different answer, a little bit of more uh, colorful conversation uh, with whoever's asking. And just going back to what Will said as well, I think that the NHL, quite frankly, does a poor job of marketing its uh, superstar players. Um, you know, if you see Kevin Durant getting traded to the Phoenix Suns, you saw it everywhere. And that trade dropped when, Will, like 1 a.m., you know, midnight, yep. you know, and and everybody Patrick Kane got it. traded, you know, outside of the Rangers Twitterverse and, of course, hockey fans, nobody knows. You know, and Patrick Kane is the greatest American-born player of all time. He's got three standards. And that's, exa that's exactly what I was going to say next, Liam. And, Randy, you were saying how the USA has kind of shifted from being superior in the hockey category, right? But, like Liam said, the lack of coverage of their stars. If Connor McDavid walked down the street in Times Square, Manhattan, maybe one or two people would say, that's Connor McDavid, mm -hmm. arguably going to go down – as the best hockey player any of us has ever, has ever seen. Now, if if somebody saw LeBron James in any other country, they would know who that player is. And I think Liam said it right. Patrick Kane is the best American hockey player we've ever seen. Maybe second is Mike Madonna. Maybe third, Kenny Morrow. The best Canadian <laughs> hockey player. Brian Leach. <laughs> Brian Leach, yes. So I, I, I totally forgot about Brian Leach. Maybe a close... Second to the best Canadian hockey player to ever live is Connor McDavid, aside from Wayne Gretzky. They're not even on two, they're not even on the same planet. It's that's probably the best we could give you is, is, is Liam hit it 100% correct is that just the poor marketing. ESPN is the worldwide center of sports, and their best coverage to talk hockey is they don't count. They don't count. You have on the, the same network, yeah. on the same network where they host the Stanley Cup final. And they're competing with the NBA finals the same time of year. That's the difference. 
you are have you have the Boston Bruins who are having a historical season, and you have the New York Rangers who just acquired the greatest American-born player of all time, in addition to adding Vladimir Tarasenko a few weeks before that. And you know what they're talking about on ESPN? Aaron Rodgers, who's not even playing. Like, so that really tells you all you need to know. I mean, the coverage of of our favorite sport in the United States is is subpar, like I said earlier. And Randy, just to go back to your point, just to circle back to the top here, um, hockey Canada is the premier country for hockey. And, and no we problem as an American saying that. We can't fault ESPN for that coverage because at the end of the day, it's a business decision. What drives the most viewership? Well, Aaron Rodgers. Well, they just Iowa signed a deal. Trump. They just signed the broadcasting deal with the NHL. You're 100% correct. But what drives what is the most revenue? viewers? Aaron Rodgers talking about him doing an ayahuasca and going away on a darkness retreat for four days or the Rangers acquiring Patrick Kane. What's the more driving of a story? It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. And that's why ESPN does those things. Kevin Durant is filled with drama. Kyrie Irving filled with drama. Right? James Harden filled with drama. Right. How and- there's no drama? So that's why ESPN just drives what they have. And I definitely see your point, Will. And, you know, I'll just end it on this. There was a point, there was a reason why Stephen A. Smith needed to go on his cell phone later that night after that infamous segment with Michael Kay and said, I love the Rangers. The Rangers are great. You know, so like there's a reason why he had to backtrack on his words. Clearly somebody from the NHL, I hope it was Gary Batman, wasn't happy with the series of events that took place on the ESPN's coverage, um, you know, of, of sports and you know, they probably had some strong words and Stephen A. Smith had to make a public apology via his cell phone later that night. That tells you all you need to know. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a shame. Uh, It's obviously such an incredible skill level, but I do find it kind of uh, funny where reporters are asking Patrick Kane, hey, Jalen Brunson is wearing your jersey. Does that make you feel good? I mean, who can... Like, I mean, that is a story topic. That's a question. That's, you you're 100% <laughs> correct, Randy. That is that is the epitome of hockey coverage in the United States. I'm sure you've seen it by now, the famous SNL skit, Let's Do That Hockey, right? Where the guy could have pronounced Brady Shea's last name. So they pretty much made fun of hockey because who cares about hockey in the United States? Sports talk show, Boomer Esiason, who was a – NFL great, played for the Bengals, played for the Jets. He's a diehard Ranger fan. His son-in-law is Matt Martin on the Islanders. He tries to talk hockey every day on his show. They immediately get shut down saying nobody cares about hockey. It's just a lack of poor coverage in the United States. Again, and I firmly believe it because more people care about what's happening with John Durant, what's happening with the Mets, what's happening with Aaron Rodgers and Ayahuasca and a darkness retreat. What's happening with Zach Wilson, you know, hooking up with his friend's mom? I mean, that's the driving point here <laughs> in the United States. It's true. I mean, this is what happens in the United States in, in sports. And I'll say it to the day I die, Phil Blue in the face. The NFL has a ton of characters, but I'll, I'll never forget my time watching the Brooklyn Nets with those guys on the team because that was a fun time to, to, to be a fan and say, wow, New York is being laughed at because of these three idiots who are on this basketball team. And that's why they get more coverage because the NHL doesn't have that. Well, uh, I hope that'll change, but uh, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I, I distinctly remember 
And it just sounds, uh, feels like uh, that the gloves are off when uh, players and uh, coaches are talking to media during the playoffs. When Brandon, uh, when Brandon Pruss was on the Canadians, he called Sens coach Paul McLean a fat walrus. And, uh, you, you know, uh, why can't that dialogue happen uh, throughout the regular season as well? I mean, uh, I mean, there does seem to be a little bit uh, like uh, they're loosening up a little bit. But uh, I think um, safe to say, with due respect, that uh, the NHL does have some work to do regardless. Randy, just one more thing, if I can. Please, and Liam could attest to this, too. Liam, would you feel that hockey, the NHL here in the United States, gets publicity for the wrong reason? And I'm saying this because the most I've heard any show, any paper, any journalist, any publicist talk about the NHL is when Ivan Provorov or the Rangers decided to not wear the LGBT jerseys. And I think that hockey in the United States gets a bad rap for that. Lee, do you agree that maybe that's the most covered we've seen was that it's they're covering hockey and it's for the wrong reasons and not the right reasons? I do agree with that. Which gives hockey like a bad rap a little bit? Yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent. And I think it's, you know, controversial coverage. You know, that's what's going to draw viewership. You know, of course, if Patrick Kane scores two goals in a game, guess what? Ivan Provorov not, you know, showing up for Pride Night and not wearing the Pride jersey and refusing to wear it. That's going to be more important than Patrick yeah. Kane's two goal night at MSG. So I think you you uh, surmised it really well. And I think, again, just what Randy said, just hockey coverage in the United States uh, has to be better. And the NHL has to do a better job at marketing its players. But I think if you asked any fan around the league, a majority of them uh, would say, would concur with my statement and all of our statements that the way that the NHL markets its players is not good enough. Um, and I do uh, agree with you that specifically in the United States, uh, the majority of coverage that is put out there for the league uh, is more negative than it is positive. Again, there is no more positive a storyline than Patrick Kane joining the New York Rangers. Like, and they and they shrugged it off as it was nothing. So, But I mean, uh, take a look at uh, the temperature and the tone during the Spitting Chicklets podcast. Uh, you now, I'm not saying that coverage should be as graphic as Paul Bissonette. I mean, like, I, I think Biz Nasty is awesome, but, uh, I mean, he gets a little too much. Like, you know, if you want to generalize me as someone who's woke, that's fine. Like, I I don't, you know, I think uh, that it is better to be woke than a critic of woke. I mean, that's but that's another topic altogether. But uh, I, I mean, agree with you. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, you know, you take a look at the traditional conservative stuffy approach of most hockey players. And then you go with biz nasty. And it's like, why? How come you, there isn't a medium right. that hockey coverage and uh, that the league can't figure out? But that's exactly why TNT gave him the job on that panel as an analyst because he has that personality. Trade deadline coverage here in the States, right? You probably saw it. They had Bo Horvat talk, and the first thing business he could say to Bo Horvat is, your team is flat-out boring to watch. It's boring hockey. You need to fix it. And that was cool because we never have people talk like that about the sport in this country. Liam's 100% right. Patrick Kane gets traded to the Rangers. They get one instant post. LeBron James breaks a scoring record. It's on every front page. It's a headline for weeks <laughs> and months to come. It's 100% true. So people like you can hate him, you can love him, 
but it's the guys like Paul Bissonnette that are going to help this game grow because of his personality and the way he interacts with people on social media. It kind of drives the focus a little bit. Well, I'm sorry. I think one uh, comment that does help as well was Lamorello saying that uh, Horvat's contract was for too long and for too much money. I thought it was gold. I mean, like, get a little personality. I mean, yeah, sure, he's uh, taking a crack at his own player, but it was a joke. And I'm not that woke where uh, he said I should be saying that Lamorello should apologize to his player. But, you know, uh, I mean, that's uh, no one had a gun to Lamorello's head to uh, to sign that contract. So, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I think uh, comments like that show a little color. Why not? Anyway, yeah. So, uh, guys, I mean, we basically went 20, uh, half an hour, and uh, we didn't get to uh, the first topic. This is great. I mean, uh, hey, why, uh, why not have a little conversation while we're doing a podcast, right, guys? Uh, but, uh, no, uh, th- that was a great start. And, hey, why don't we get to uh, what happened on Broadway? And, uh, you know, we will start with uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Like I said in the beginning, uh, that uh, he won a cup with St. Louis. He spent his entire career there. Uh, he uh, is uh, not having the greatest of seasons to start. Well, how much does Tarasenko uh, will be and uh, like uh, as a help to the Rangers? I think Tarasenko is a big end for the Rangers, and I think getting Tarasenko um, signaled for a lot of people that they were out on Patrick Kane. And I think the Rangers thought that too. I think that when they asked for Kane, the price was simply too high. That's why they didn't take any offers on him. But Vladimir Tarasenko is a proven goal scorer in this league. He's proven it his entire career. I wanted Tarasenko in the Islanders for a couple of years now. And he's in the middle of he the issue with him is he can't seem to stay healthy. But when he's healthy, he's one of the best goal scorers that you know the game has seen in a very long time. And I think playing with guys like Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin are going to drive his game and elevate his game to another level. And that's no disrespect to Ryan O'Reilly, no disrespect to, you know, his 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 teammates in St. Louis, but the you know the Rangers have a very prolific offense now, probably the best Tarasenko has has been a part. And I think what the Rangers should do is separate Kane and Panarin, and you have Panarin and Tarasenko, because I think Panarin is a pass first player. Tarasenko is a shoot first player. And Liam could attest to this. The two games we've seen of Kane and Panarin together, they're trying to pass the puck to each other and they're, they're creating turnovers. So I think the best case for the Rangers is having Panarin with Tarasenko on that first line. Yeah, and I'll touch on uh, – sorry, Randy. Um, I'll touch on the uh, Tarasenko trade here real quick as well. Uh, I think the fact that the Rangers are able to get a – again, a player who has scored 40 goals in his career. You know, he is two years removed from a 34-goal, 48-assist season, 82 points. You know, of course, he has the injury history, as Will uh, pointed to uh, during his take. And, of course, you know, he had shoulder surgery in the past, I believe. And, you know, he's not having the best season with the St. Louis Blues prior to getting traded. But if you look – at what the Rangers gave up in this trade. It really wasn't a lot. You know, of course, you surrender a first-round pick um, and uh, Hunter Skinner, and of course, being a broadcaster in ECHL, I've watched Hunter Skinner a lot. You know, he's a decent defensive prospect, and it's good for St. Louis that they're adding, you know, some more players into their farm system. Uh, But for the Rangers, you add 
a superstar winger to play alongside Mika Zibanejad. And, Will, I'm going to go against you real quick here. I think Tarasenko is best with Zibanejad and Kreider on the first line. And you cannot, you cannot split up Artemi Panarin and Patrick Kane. It's the best winger-to-winger combination that we've seen in the NHL in arguably the last 20 years. And I'd love to know both of your points uh, on what I just said. But the fact that the Rangers also get Nico Mikola as well, a depth defenseman who provides some size, a really good skater for somebody as tall as Nico Mikola is. I think it was a home run of a trade. I think Tarasenko is finally getting adjusted going from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. And you've seen in the last couple of games, his offensive scoring touch has really uh, amped up a notch here. Of course, scoring that one-handed goal on Cam Talbot at MSG the other night. So <laughs> good trade for the Rangers. Good trade. Well, I mean, you uh, talk about adding uh, one superstar, but uh, hey, why don't we talk about the other superstar that's uh, headed to uh, Broadway? And that, of course, is Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, it was uh, probably uh, the bigger uh, storyline uh, as uh, Ted Line uh, was approaching. Uh, Patrick Kane is a three-time cup winner. Uh, and, you know, personally, I don't really recall instances where hockey players were uh, – uh, hoping to go to one specific team. I mean, you take a look at a basketball sense. Uh, uh, James Harden wanted to go to Brooklyn. Carmelo Anthony wanted to go to New York. Uh, Lonzo Ball wanted to go to the Lakers, or maybe I should have said it, his pops, Lavar. But uh, you know, it is uh, you know Patrick Kane um, is uh, a New York Ranger now. And Liam, I mean, can you explain? Why Kane and why New York? Why not another team? I think Patrick Kane wanted to be reunited with Artemi Panarin. I think Kane realized that the last time where he had a line mate that was adequate enough to work well off of him and, you know, subsequently allow him to provide some opportunities on the other side was with Artemi Panarin. And unfortunately, their time in Chicago was cut short, which is something that was really disappointing for me at the time when Chicago decided to trade him to Columbus uh, for Brandon Saad, one for one. I understood why Chicago made the deal. They wanted to get the band back together, but Artemi Panarin was a superstar. And Randy, going back to your point uh, that you just made the moment that Patrick Kane came out and said that he was disappointed to hear that the Rangers acquired Vladimir Tarasenko in that moment he became a New York Ranger because he went to the Chicago Blackhawks and the Blackhawks front office. They knew they knew that if they did not trade this player at the deadline, he was going to walk as an unrestricted free agent for nothing. And even if he didn't walk as an unrestricted free agent for nothing and you re-signed him, yeah, you're bringing Patrick Kane back for multiple years, but he's not going to inch you any closer to a Stanley cup. And he's going to inhibit your ability to rebuild and retool this team because Patrick Kane as poor as his defensive numbers and maybe offensively he's been in this season, he makes your team better. And I don't really think at this point the Blackhawks want to get better, at least, you know, right now. I think they want to accumulate draft capital. They want to get younger and trading away Patrick Kane helps them do that. But I really think it was Patrick Kane going to the front office and saying, I don't want to go anywhere else but New York. And Chicago had to accept whatever the best deal the Rangers were able to give them. And that's why uh, Patrick Kane was acquired for such an underwhelming return. But I think Blackhawks fans, they understood Kane's where he wants to be along alongside Artemi Panarin, but let's not also underestimate how hard of a choice this must have been for Patrick Kane. I mean, we don't see oftentimes a player going home, you know, away from a road trip with the team 
to just settle down his thoughts. And I really think that there was a decision made by Patrick Kane here. I think if he was going to get moved, he wanted to go to the Rangers. But I think the if in that last sentence is the really important part. I don't know if it was a clear-cut conclusion from the very start, at least of the trade deadline talks when things started to heat up, that Patrick Kane wanted to leave. But I think it was the team doing right by the player and Patrick Kane going to the only other place he would want to play hockey, and that is the New York Rangers. And to end my point, I think that Patrick Kane is only going to play for two teams in his NHL career, the Rangers and the Blackhawks. I think when he goes to unrestricted free agency, somehow the Rangers figure out how to keep him around or the Blackhawks re-sign him. I don't think he plays anywhere else. And I think this trade deadline shows you that. Well, uh, you know, the fact is that Patrick Kane is a 34-year-old veteran. And he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, You guys have uh, already declared uh, that Patrick Kane, uh, if he's not one of the best uh, American-born players in the NHL, he is the best uh, player to come out of the United States. But, uh, Will, I mean, is it possible to get caught up in the romance of what players have done in the past? I mean, yes, Patrick Kane has won three cups. However, uh, He's still a 34-year-old man. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right to that. And I'm sure that, you know, that went into the Blackhawks' decision on whether to keep Patrick Kane. And I'm sure the Rangers thought about that long and hard. And all of a sudden, you know, this wasn't a rebuild by the Rangers, like the letter that Liam knows that they were talking about. This quickly became a retool on the fly. And now you have a young team, and you insert them with two veterans over the age of 31 in Tarasenko and Kane, and now your window is to win right now, which is totally okay. I'm an Islander fan, and we have guys in their 40s, so I know what it feels like to have a window like we need to win right now. And you're 100% correct, and I think Liam said it well. He's not great defensively, and you saw that yesterday in the game against the Bruins, and that's going to happen that's going to happen, but when he Thanks, scores, Will. there's no <laughs> when he scores, there's no doubt he, he's arguably one of the best right wingers in, in in the game when healthy and when producing at that high level. But for some reason, looking at highlights, looking at his season this year, whether it was he didn't want to be in Chicago no more, whether the team was flat, I don't see the same cane that I did five years ago. And that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But I think when you watch the highlights back to the guy who won three cups and scored the only goal in NHL history that only the goal scorer knew was scored and nobody else <laughs> in the building, of course, the game in Philadelphia, he's not the same player that he was. And that's totally okay because even at 50%, he's still one of the best hockey players in the NHL. I did think that was kind of a shame that uh, it was so anticlimactic, that uh, overtime <laughs> winning goal. I mean, Blackhawks hadn't won the cup in so many years and – the only person that knew uh, that he scored was Patrick Kane himself. But uh, anyway, we digress. I mean, hey, it's been a long time since the uh, Rangers uh, won a cup. Uh, I mean, closer to my part of the world, the it's been a long time since the Toronto <laughs> Maple Leafs won a playoff series, let alone the Stanley Cup. Uh, it's been, uh, what, 19 years, uh, 2004, I think, since the Maple Leafs made it to the second round. And uh, they're making some noise, uh, this uh, trade deadline, fellas. I mean, they picked up the likes of Luke Shen, Jake McCabe, and, of course, uh, from um, 
Uh, they picked up uh, Noel Chari as well as Ryan O'Reilly as well. Uh, you know, Will, uh, there's uh, a number of names have been dealt uh, to Toronto. I mean, do you think it moves the needle at all? Well, here's what I was going to say. And I think Kyle Dubas realized another year, first round exit, I'm gone, and so is Sheldon Keith. And I think they would have to start considering breaking down this core, right? The core that everybody had winning the Stanley Cup the day John Tavares signed of Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Morgan Riley, Freddie Anderson. It wasn't going to work anymore. So they parted away with Freddie Anderson. They parted away with a few other pieces there. And now they have a brand new, I want to say, center depth, right, where you have Tavares and Matthews. And now your bottom six is going to be Ryan O'Reilly. And is a Kerfoot, Kerfoot's in their fourth line center, right? Kerfoot and O'Reilly is at their bottom six now. Who's they have Aston Reese there? They have Kyle Aston Uso, Reese, yeah. So, David so they have a lot, they have a lot of options there. But the Thornton in, in, in the Lightning side, uh, the Maple Leaf side is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they continue to find third line players who grind opponents down. We saw it last year with Nick Paul, now they get Tanner Janelle. They had Yanni Gord. They had Blake Coleman and Andre Pallott. They let these guys leave. They replenished their bottom six like nobody has ever seen. But, Randy, do you think what they're doing now is enough to beat the Lightning? I want to say yes, but the only problem I have is the goaltending. Matt Murray, Andre Vasilevsky, we all know what's happening. Game seven, there's going to be a goal that Memory wants to have back, and it's going to be the story all over again. You think it's going to be Murray? Sadly. Well? Sadly. But Liam knows I don't <laughs> like the Leafs, but I do like their chances in round one. I really do. I think they got a lot better defensively, bringing in O'Reilly. They are very deep at defense now. Very deep. Eric Gustafson, believe it or not, leads their D-men in points. Not Morgan Riley. Eric Gustafson. That shows you how deep they are at defense. Well, I mean, uh, respectfully, and maybe it's just the uh, cynical, pessimistic uh, Leaf fan in me, but I think that they'll win because, and it, it appears that uh, the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning will be playing in the first round. Uh, I think that one of the reasons why they'll win is because Tampa's played so much hockey over the past three years. I mean, uh, I am not, uh, I am not confident. Who can be confident in Matt Murray? And, um, you know, uh, uh, Samsonov and, you know, they got Jacob Hall and, you know, I mean, who are these guys? Uh, in the end, uh, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly, he had a magical run with uh, St. Louis and winning the cup. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, the core being um, Matthews, Marner, Morgan Riley, it's been seven years and it's been crickets after the first round. Now. They did go to uh, a bunch of Game 7s. How many Game 7s uh, uh, with this core? Uh, I, I think, what, two with the Bruins. They had one with the Canadians. Canadians were just, you know, they just had uh, everything going. And, um, you know, they just found lightning in a bottle. Uh, but then they, uh, you know, had seven, uh, went seven against Tampa. Uh, of course, uh, they were, did a Buffalo Bills and just couldn't uh, come up clutch in the end. They do have a strong side. And, you know, I mean, to add to it, if they lose again, is it going to be to another cup finalist? Because that's what happened uh, when they lost uh, in game seven uh, to Boston, to Montreal, to Tampa. 
Uh, and I don't know if that's a reason why you should gas someone like Kyle Dubas. I don't know if that's a reason why you should uh, uh, cancel out Sheldon Keefe, because in the end, they're losing to uh, teams who continuously win playoff rounds. You know, Randy, I think it, I agree with what you're saying, but it's a result-driven business. And at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter who you're losing to. The end of the day is you're losing. Um, but I totally agree uh, that the teams that they have lost to certainly matters. <clears throat> and of course, they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year in a hard-fought seven-game series. And like you said, they weren't able to come up clutch. But I really, from a Rangers fan's perspective, love what Kyle Dubas did at this year's trade deadline. Nolachari, such a good bottom six player. He is a playoff type performer, exactly what they need. Sam Lafferty has been excellent in the bottom six this season for the Chicago Blackhawks. I imagine that that will translate well. Ryan O'Reilly, what a grinder Ryan O'Reilly is. Look at that 2019 Stanley Cup final. I mean, my goodness. You know, people forget just because he's had a couple of down years with a St. Louis team that has been on the downturn, just how impactful of a player Ryan O'Reilly is in all three zones when he's on. If the Maple Leafs get the Ryan O'Reilly from earlier this season with St. Louis, the one that isn't producing, okay, you know what? You chalk that up as a loss. You know, it's the play. You know, he just maybe is over the hill a little bit. But you know what? I would beg to say that the Maple Leafs are going to get the Ryan O'Reilly of old. And I'm saying of old, even though the Ryan O'Reilly of a couple of years ago is exactly what they need. And Randy, if you look at their defense, I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, Eric Gustafson, what a trade that was by Kyle Dubas. That might be one of the top five trades that Kyle Dubas has made, trading away Rasmus Sandin to the Washington Capitals. And I know it's probably controversial in Toronto circles, but you get back Eric Gustafson, who has produced a lot of points on the back end, as Will alluded to during his take, and a first-round pick. Randy, I'd love to know your answer to this question. Will you as well? Right now, Right now, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs or just a playoff contender, who would you rather have on your back end, Eric Gustafson or Rasmus Sandin? I'm taking Eric Gustafson all day. Yeah, I mean, I, I would uh, take uh, Gustafson for sure. And I mean, a lot of people were, uh, you know, uh, getting critical of Sandin. I mean, he it took him a while to sign. Uh, he wasn't really having uh, that season uh, that people were expecting. Uh, Gustafson had this uh, this history. So, yeah, sure, uh, uh, between the two, uh, you know, it's Gustafson without a doubt. I mean, uh, that being said, it's just, uh, you know, uh, where does playoff experience uh, uh, factor in here? And, I mean, yeah, maybe uh, the Leafs do have play playoff experience. They just don't have a winning culture here. Does that make a difference? It does make a difference for sure. Um, but again, I think that Kyle Dubas has done all he could with the roster that he has and the situation that he has to try and change the culture from being the way it is and the way it's been in past years to a winning culture, like you said. And I will echo Will's point to end my take on the Maple Leafs here. If they are going to lose in the first round to the Tampa Bay Lightning, there's one reason, and it's who's in net. And I don't think it's going to be Matt Murray. I think it's going to be Ilya Samsonov. Um, so again, we'll see how they perform going down the stretch here. They're going to have uh, a lot of difficulty with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, three straight Stanley Cup final appearances. But if I had to make a prediction right now on March 5th, 
I do think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to win a round. I don't think they're going to get to the cup final. I think they're going to get stopped by one of the Eastern Conference powerhouses, whether that's the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Devils, or the Bruins. Um, but I do think that they'll get past round one. I think, as you said, Randy, Tampa Bay's played a ton of hockey over the last few years, and this Maple Leafs roster is ready. And Sheldon Keith have- is a good coach, too. I like Keith a lot. I have to agree with Liam, just you know, just briefly. I think you know when push comes to shove, like you asked me today, who's going to win in a seven game series? I'm going to take you know the Maple Leafs. However, you ask me a month from now, then may change. I'm taking the Leafs right now because you see John Cooper making a statement last night by benching Kucherov, Stamkos, and Point because they were producing. It's because they're gas. They went to three straight Stanley Cup finals. They don't have a summer. They don't have an offseason. It's just back on the grind. So you asked me today, I'm taking Toronto. You asked me a month from now, my answer could change. But I think the Maple Leafs could win the series. And again, it's going to come down to the goalie. But again, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, talking a little hockey with uh, Liam Gautamer and uh, Will Pesek. And uh, guys, if we could uh, continue uh, with uh, – uh, hockey and of course uh, down the street uh, from me is the Ottawa Senators and it was a pretty emotional debut uh, home debut for Jacob Chikrin. Uh he scored a goal and an assist uh, in front of his new hometown crowd his grandfather is an Ottawa resident and uh, he was in the uh, stands uh, uh, for game one of uh, Jacob uh, Chikrin's home career with his new team uh liam i mean don't count out the sense uh they're winners of five straight uh not a lot of people were expecting ottawa to uh make a run like this uh now they picked up jacob trick and as uh, like a solid and uh sought after piece uh you know uh leading up to trade deadline day how surprised were you about uh trick going to ottawa I, I wasn't really surprised, to be honest. I, I thought that Ottawa was one of the teams that had noted interest uh, for a while. And, of course, they're always looking for help on the back end. And they need a number one defenseman to play alongside Thomas Shabbat. And Jacob Chikrin, Arizona really fumbled the bag with that entire situation. I think they held them out way too long. I think they were way too stingy. I mean, why didn't Arizona want to retain cap on Jacob Chikrin? I mean, they're retaining cap all over the place. I mean, in order to get yourself a better return, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I think that to be the reason why they took a deal that included less prospects, less draft capital by the Ottawa Senators, I think was a little ridiculous. I didn't like that move on on Arizona's part. But for the Senators, they jump in on a situation uh, that they saw that they could take advantage of, and they did. And they're 32, 26, and four. They're probably one of the more disappointing teams uh, at the beginning of the season because, of course, they have the awesome offseason where they bring in Claude Giroux and they bring <laughs> in Cam Talbot in goal. And they have all these young prospects, your Shane Pintos, your Jacob Bernard Dockers, your Josh Norris, who I think is the most underrated player in hockey. But again, I digress. Uh, <laughs> the Senators find themselves three points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins and four points behind the Islanders. Ottawa, they have played the same number of games as Pittsburgh at 62, and they played three less games than the Islanders, only trailed them by four points. Now, what do I talk about with games in hand? You need to win the games in hand for them to matter. But the Senators, they look locked and loaded to sneak into a playoff series here. And if they sneak into that second spot and end up facing Boston, I won't sit here and say that they'll beat them because they won't, but they'll give them some trouble. They might push them to six games. So I like what the Senators are doing. They are building to creating sustainable success 
progress. And I'm excited to see what they're able to do going into the offseason here. But good for them. I'm happy that they're pushing towards the playoffs. And they got Jacob Chikrin. I believe Jacob Chikrin's being paid four and a half million dollars. Yeah. A few seasons. That's the best contract of any defenseman in the NHL. That's a win. That is a win. Liam, I I I think you asked why the Senators didn't want to retain salary. I'm going to say it's because he was a disgruntled player. Everybody knew he wanted out for the past three seasons. The team was not going anywhere. And I think the biggest fumble was them and the Blue Jackets keeping Gavrikov and Chikrin out of the lineup and no trade being imminent. To me, that is absolutely NBA-like, and I don't like it. The players don't like it. Players want to play. Players want to practice. And you getting told, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to hold you out for trade-related reasons. Well, a trade better be close. It better be close, not three weeks later, like the Senators did with Jacob Chicken. And you know what happened? Their their trade stock went down the toilet. If he played, they could have gotten a ton back for him. But because he was not playing, nobody knew why he didn't want to be traded. They had no choice but to trade him. They got a crappy return for him. The Canucks got more. So the Red Wings got more for Philip Ronick. The Predators got more for Tanner Janot than the Coyotes got for Jacob Trickard, who could be a future Calder, uh, not Calder, um, Norris Trophy, Norris. Norris Trophy Norris, winner, yeah. right? So just I mean, uh, I don't know, in. Will. Uh, I mean, respectfully, I, like I'm wondering if Arizona made the right move. Now, I don't like it either, but I mean, injuries, as we all know, uh, can happen, and you know, can completely uh, sewer the team even further. I don't know if I'm convinced that uh, Chikrin's value went down because Arizona benched him. I think well, it's I, because I, they I, weren't willing to retain. That's what I yeah, think. Yeah, and and I, I think a part of it is because you're sitting here now as you're the Coyotes and teams are calling in on Jacob Chikrin and they're saying, what do you want for him? And what do they want? Two first-round picks and a prospect? And I think they could have gotten that if they just played him a little bit more. He wasn't even practicing. They wouldn't let him practice. Yeah. I, think, and I, I mean, it's, 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 it's a whole fumble by that entire organization. They're still paying Andrew Ladd. They're paying Pavel Datsuk. And they would not pick up $2 million to pay Jacob Chikrin. I, I, I mean, at that point, you're asking yourself why. I think it was because he was disgruntled. And I think, all kidding aside, I think that could have driven his trade value down. When you look at a team like the Washington Capitals, why do we want to give you two first-round picks to a guy who might want to demand a trade out of our team? I think that has something to do with it as well. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, uh, and uh, we were talking uh, before we uh, went to air here, and the um, uh, Coyotes are uh, going to be going to uh, Arena and Tempe. Uh, they do have something going on. And the question is, uh, like, I've always wondered if Arizona, if Gary Bettman is making the right move staying in Arizona, the Phoenix area, because it's taken a long time for the Nashville Predators to get going. And now Smashville, you take a look at that yellow C during playoff time. Uh, uh, you know, you look at Carolina, like the whole uh, storm surge, which – uh, hockey purists absolutely hated, and now uh, Carolina is a really hot ticket. And uh, you know, I mean, uh, to get Randy, to if jump, I can just jump in real quick to your point about Nashville, 
I've been to Nashville once in my life. That was last year in the summer, and I want to go back. There was no hockey played. They got swept, what was it, four games to Colorado. Every single person there, the day I was there, waited online for season tickets because the mm. atmosphere there is through the roof. Well, hold on. Let me let me jump in here because I was in Nashville in December. I was there for a, a trade show, and uh, unfortunately uh, – the, uh, the Preds were playing in the afternoon during that show. They were playing Ottawa, I believe. And uh, uh, my director and I were big hockey fans, uh, couldn't go to the game. After the game lets out, and we're having dinner right by Bridgestone Arena, and there is a sea of people in Predators gear. It's yeah. beautiful to see. Yeah, it is. And you might not see that in – Arizona, I don't think you will. I think Arizona has kind of like the Atlanta Thrashers, right? Well, but that's what I'm saying. Get a couple of playoff wins in there. What could happen, right? Like, I mean, is there going to be more of an interest? Because Arizona has sucked uh, since they've been in the league. And it's also not like where you're located to. And I've never been to Arizona. I bet it's beautiful down there. But, Randy, you've been to Nashville. You've been to the Broadway Strip. You don't have to be a hockey fan to be like, this place is sick. There's bars on every corner you look at. It's a mm-hmm. it's a thriving atmosphere. The Tennessee Titans play literally a two-minute walk down the road. Everything is where you need on Broadway there. That is a hockey atmosphere. You know what it is? A family of four comes down. They're in town on vacation in Nashville. Oh, there's a hockey game going on. Let's go. It's rowdy. It's raucous. It's a great environment. I don't know if Arizona really has that. I don't know if they have that there. But you know what city I do think has that? If they are looking to move, I'm going to say it's not Seattle because they just got a team, and it's not Atlanta. I think if they're going to bring a team back, bring it back to Hartford. Bring it back to Hartford. Already got the Wolfpack, Will. What are you going to do with the Wolfpack? I went to school in Connecticut for four years. They love hockey. They're Ranger Islander fans. They want their own team back. It it might work. For me, well, I, I mean, think it's Quebec or Houston or Alpharetta. You know, I mean, uh, okay, let's look at this in a long-term sense. Uh, okay, so to back up a minute, I was in Vegas uh, and went to a Golden Knights game during their first season. It was against San Jose. Absolutely raucous. It was, it was such a great experience the muse the in-game presentation phenomenal um personally though I, like i wonder and uh will i'm sure you're going to chime in i wonder if hartford is too small a community because i think that's the problem in quebec city um i mean uh, c- given the fact that it is predominantly french like i don't know if you guys have been to montreal they do have a split uh like uh, you know uh there's a lot more bilingual people in montreal not the case in Quebec. Like back in the day when the Nordic were um, uh, were in the league, like the PA was purely in French. Montreal, it's uh, it's both languages. I'm kind of going outside the box. To me, Houston doesn't make sense with the Rockets, with the um, with the Texans, college sports. I'm wondering Milwaukee. Portland, Portland, especially with Vancouver and Seattle. I'm wondering Kansas City. I I don't know about uh, and I mean, like a lot of people were thinking about a second NHL team in Toronto. I don't know if that's going to work either. 
a mature market like Toronto, um, which, by the way, I don't think is the hockey capital of the universe. It's the Maple Leaf capital of the universe. That's another story. But I mean, uh, uh, I'm wondering because, I mean, this is a community. If you're not a Leaf fan, you're going to be a Canadians fan. You're a Bruins fan. Maybe you're a Rangers fan, Flyers. Uh, who's going to cheer for a second team in Toronto? But I mean, like you have, uh, you know, with Kansas City, uh, you know, uh, they're uh, clamoring. Uh, they don't have an NBA team. Uh, you know, is it like those kind of uh, communities? Uh, Will, I mean, uh, you said Hartford, though. Uh, what are your thoughts with the other cities that I had mentioned, for example? Let alone, yeah, with, like Houston, you're not in, let alone with Houston, yeah. what Liam said. You're not entirely wrong that the whole city of, of Hartford is just too small to expand the NHL. Right. So it's coming to a point. Now you look at where they're going to Vegas. They're going to succeed wherever they go. It's Las Vegas. You're going to get tourists. They're going to go to hockey games. It's a big market. They just moved the, you know, the Oakland Raiders to Vegas. They're trying to make an MLB expansion team to one of two cities, Vegas or Nashville, because those two cities drive the most people in vacations. They come, they go. Hartford will not work now that I'm hearing, you know, your reasoning. Liam mentioned Houston. (laughs) Sorry. Liam mentioned Houston. Liam mentioned Houston, and Houston intrigues me. But what what concerns me about Houston is they will not be the primary market in Houston. It'll always be the Astros. Then it'll be the Houston Rockets. And same thing why the Rays and Marlins in baseball do not draw. Because if you are in Miami and you are in Tampa Bay and it's a July afternoon, you're not going to want to go to a baseball game. And if it's October, if it's November, April, you're not going to want to go to a hockey game in Houston. You want to see the Astros. You want to see the Rockets. I think there's a difference there with what teams are on top. And I think Vegas was the first step to say to other sports leagues, we're going to drive viewership here. And that's why the Raiders followed suit. And Seattle followed suit when the Seahawks were there. And Seattle's worked out great. And if there's a market that I think could potentially fit, uh, do they want any more Canadian teams, Randy? It's, it's. I mean, well, I mean, uh, I mean, what what city is big in Canada that does not have a current NHL team? Saskatchewan, like, where could they potentially go? I mean, uh, well, let's take a look at Winnipeg, Winnipeg, for example, because uh, Winnipeg, it's a great experience. Uh, The team is doing really well. Uh, but it's a small market that is not very alluring in terms of uh, free agency. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it is a cold climate. Uh, and uh, I like to me, the biggest market is, uh, is Quebec city. But I mean, like, obviously the biggest market is Toronto. And uh, the word is, of uh, I mean, it has died down over the years. Uh, but I've just never been uh, I've just never been uh, sold to the fact that uh, the NHL could support two t- NHL teams in Toronto. I just never have. It's just, you know, uh, with all the millions of people that are here. I mean, you're not going to find it. Che- it's not going to be a cheaper ticket. That second NHL team to uh, a Leaf ticket. And, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know uh, uh, New York City as uh, uh, um you know, like uh, off the back of my hand. But, you know, are you going to go travel halfway across from, say, I don't know, 
Brooklyn to deep Manhattan or like, are you going to travel 20 miles uh, to watch a uh, second NHL team? Uh, you know, like, a, like it in Toronto, I mean, traffic is what it is. Uh, I, I'm not willing to drive uh, 40 miles for, uh, you know, if the second NHL team plays, you know, the blue jackets, for example, and uh, respectfully, I mean, like, I think the rival will be rivalry will be intense. I mean, if a second NHL team comes to Toronto, I'm going to hate them more than the Canadians. But uh, I just uh, I just don't see it. I mean, in Quebec, I think there's going to be a honeymoon period. But I think uh, they'll go back to uh, the reason why uh, the Nordic uh, left, uh, you know, 25 years ago. Randy, just really quick, um, I have to jump off in a second, um, but I want to say, first of all, thank you very much. This was an absolute blast. I lost track of time because we were having so much fun. No, for sure. <laughs> um, Liam and I do a podcast, and I'm sure Liam will 100% agree with what I'm going to say. You are more than welcome to join us on our podcast. No, absolutely. 100,000%. Um, you, we, you're one of the people that we've stayed in touch with from Colorcast. We have a couple other people, but you guys, you have been fantastic. So before I go, I wanted to say thank you. No, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, yeah, Will, uh, no, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I really wanted to get you on and, uh, no, uh, unfortunately it's a shame that you do have to leave, uh, Liam, I hope you can stick around, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the broadcasting that you do is just, uh, it, you know, you have a real skill and, the knowledge that you have. Let's do it again really soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Randy. Appreciate it. Liam. I'll yeah, get some sleep, man. I mean, yeah, get some sleep. You might be <laughs> yeah. Go take a nap, uh, bud. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, I, I really, you know, can't complain. It's, it's a hard time waking up at two o'clock in the morning. And then I look at the clock and I'm like, man, it's 5 a.m. and I'm ready for a cheeseburger. I'm ready for a steak. Mm-hmm, and it's just mm-hmm. like, so I gotta, I, I'm going to go get some rest. So um, thanks a lot for having me. Um, and you're more than welcome on our show anytime. So. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. See you, man. Will Pesek, that's a he's a producer for News 12 out of Hunter Valley out of New York. So, Liam, it's uh, just you and me now. And, uh, you know, I, I was wondering, uh, with regards to uh, Jonathan Quick, I mean, he found a couple of new homes. And, uh, originally, he was traded to the Blue Jackets, and now uh, he is a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I mean, in your observation, was this like a traditional three-team trade? Like, uh, was uh, did uh, L.A. realize that uh, he was eventually going to find his way to Vegas? That's why they uh, shipped him to the worst team in the league. You know, I think it's an interesting concept. I mean, uh, to answer your question, I would say it's not a traditional three-team trade. I just think it was L.A. getting Jonathan Quick off their books. And, of course, in the last year of their contract – of his contract, rather, it's very unfortunate that they would trade a franchise uh, goaltender, a goaltender that had led you to two Stanley Cup uh, final victories uh, in 2012 and 2014 and trade him to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But I think – 
It's not a traditional three-team trade, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings had it in mind that once they moved him to Columbus, he would have been moved to a contender. Maybe not Vegas specifically, but had a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I don't think they would have wanted to trade him to a division rival outright, um, but the fact that they get Jonas Corposalo uh, and Vladislav uh, Gavrikov, I think those are two nice pieces. I think the Kings were a starting goaltender away um, from really solidifying their roster heading towards the playoffs here. And people forget, Jonas Corposalo Remember he had a north of 80 saves, was it, against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in that five-overtime game? I don't know about 80. I don't know about 80, but I think it was definitely over 70. Definitely over 70 saves. Um, but yeah, Corpusalo, he is a good goaltender. He's proven that he's able to do it in the playoffs. The Kings get a top four defenseman alongside a starting goaltender. Of course, they ship out Jonathan Quick, but I'm happy that he found himself to Vegas and uh, he has a chance to win a Stanley Cup alongside Logan Thompson. Well, you know, uh, you were kind of alluding to the fact that uh, you don't think that L.A. did uh, uh, quick and dirty and uh, send him to Columbus. But, I mean, should have L.A. just looked for their better interests? I mean, yes, Jonathan Quick uh, did lead uh, the Kings to two Stanley Cups. Uh, You know, he's probably going to have some sort of ceremony regarding his number at some point. Uh, But, you know. In the end, uh, L.A. is about results. And uh, if they did find um, something in uh, Columbus that is of value, uh, I don't really fault them for that. Yeah, I don't fault them too much, you know, and I think the fan base was always going to be up in arms when you trade away somebody who has that much impact uh, to the franchise as Jonathan Quick does. But at the end of the day, Jonathan Quick, it's a results driven business as good as he's been in the past. He's having one of the worst years statistically for any goaltender in the NHL, and they needed to upgrade the position because I think if the Kings headed into the playoffs, even in the relatively weak Western Conference with a tandem of uh, Phoenix Copley and Jonathan Quick, they would have been ousted in the first round quickly. And as me and Will alluded to at the top of the show, um, you know, teams want to go for it and they see a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And for the Kings, maybe not win a Stanley Cup, but they definitely see a chance to get out of the Western Conference, which, you know, if you really evaluate the teams, I think they're towards the top of the list now with Jonas Corposalo. So it's a good trade. They made their team better. Unfortunate that they had to do that to Jonathan Quick, but uh, I agree with you. I don't blame them. They did a good uh, team move there. Yeah, uh, he is uh, Liam Gottimer. He is the Director of Broadcasting and Communications for the Atlanta Gladiators of the ECHL. I'm Randy Coure at What's Up the Sports Podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, Liam, I definitely want to get your thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, they have uh, really fallen on some hard times. And uh, the, uh, I mean, you bring in a general manager such as Jim Rutherford, you have a proven uh, coach in Bruce Boudreaux and uh, the days leading up to Bruce Boudreaux's firing was uh, one of the more public displays that I think the both of us, as well as the hockey world, maybe even the sports world has ever seen. Uh, We were talking about the Bo Horvat trade uh, to Long Island. Uh, Have you seen anything uh, that has taken place similar to what has been going on in Vancouver? 
It's a rite of passage that whenever I'm, I'm on Zoom, I, I mute myself and stuff. No, 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 please. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a delay, <laughs> but no, it's all good. We're <laughs> Yeah, but it's a, it's an absolute dumpster fire uh, in Vancouver. And I think what happened with Bruce Boudreaux, Randy, was something unlike anything I've ever seen uh, as a hockey fan. Um, and to come outward and, outwardly and say, as Jim Rutherford did, that there's going to be a coaching change behind the bench while Bruce Boudreaux is still the head coach of the team um, is just really uh, deplorable really behavior as, as a general manager. So um, I really didn't like it. I'm happy for Bruce Boudreaux that the fans were singing Bruce. There it is on multiple occasions, even going through a losing season as they are. Um, they realized that Bruce Boudreaux isn't the reason and it's the way that their roster was constructed and some moves that were made in the off season and just everything coming together to create the dumpster fire. That is the 2023 season for the Vancouver Canucks. They've gotten better, you know, since the trade deadline and after Bruce Boudreaux, of course, got fired and Rick Tockett comes in. Um, but it really was a tough situation. I'm happy to see Bruce Boudreaux. I believe he's back with TSN now. I believe in that hockey panel, uh, he was pictured there. Um, so good to see him back on TV. I hope he gets another head coaching job. And um, just the main point I want to make is the reason why the Canucks were having as much struggles as they were, especially early on in the season, does not fall solely on Bruce Boudreaux. And I think Jim Rutherford was wrong Um in how he evaluated his group and subsequently his coaching staff. But I think Rick Tockett's a good coach and he's better for what they need to improve upon. Rick Tockett is a defensive minded coach and the Canucks defense had been pretty atrocious, um, you know, at the beginning part of the year. So, well, and uh, Liam, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Jay Cardinale. Uh, he uh, has been uh, sending in a couple of tweets and it took me a minute to actually recover those tweets. And, uh, uh, amongst other things, he mentioned of uh, how Jonathan Quick is a legend in L.A. Uh, NHL is a business. Uh, Quick is cooked, according to Jake's opinion. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, acknowledged the fact that uh, two players were coming over to uh, Columbus. And uh, Jake agrees to the fact that uh, the Bruce Boudreaux saga was uh, messed up. Uh, anybody who does want to hop on uh, for a couple of minutes, any questions that you may want to ask uh, me or Liam, uh, please uh, feel free. Uh, this is uh, What's Up the Sports podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, Liam, I'm wondering if uh, Vancouver should have done anything at all. Uh, the uh, fact is, is that uh, they are going through a really tough time. Uh, they do have the uh, ability of uh, drafting one of the greatest uh, players, uh, potentially in uh, Connor Bedard. Um, is it possible that, uh, you know, they are making a wrong move in, uh, you know, trying to salvage a season if they are in fact doing that because they fired Boudreaux, they get, uh, uh, Rick Tockett in, why not just, you know, maintain course and then hope for the best with regards to, uh, where they finish, uh, for the draft lottery. Yeah, I, I just think that it's not wanting to accept where you are as a team. And I think the trade uh, where they acquired Philip Ronick and traded away the first round pick that they acquired from the Islanders. I mean, you know, the Vancouver Canucks throughout their entire history, you know, even when they have been trying to rebuild or retool, they have consistently traded away draft picks. And in a year where they need to accumulate young players and accumulate those picks, they trade away one that they received from their franchise player and what is a very – 
very deep 2023 draft. So I didn't understand that move for Ronick. And especially if you're going to make a trade for a top four defenseman, why aren't you going for Jacob Chikrin if they went for about the same asking price? Maybe Chikrin went for maybe a third or fourth round pick more than Ronick did. Um, but, you know, look, for the Canucks, just looking forward, I evaluated their team prior to the trade deadline, and I see pieces here. I don't see an entire rebuild. I see a number one center in Elias Pettersson. I see one of the best players to come over from the KHL in quite a while in Andre Kuzmenko. He's in Vancouver. Not a lot of people like to talk about him in the United States, but he's been one of the most impact forwards, impactful forwards excuse me, on the Canucks this season. They have a number one defenseman in Quinn Hughes, and they have a number one goaltender. Even though he's having a bad year, I still have belief in Thatcher Demko. And thank goodness the Canucks didn't trade Demko, trade Pedersen, trade Quinn Hughes prematurely, because even though they're in a little bit of a tough spot in an or- as an organization, they have a solid head coach, and they have foundational pieces at the positions that matter, center, defense, and goaltending. Well, uh, Liam, I'm uh... – Guessing that you know uh, Jay Cardinale, he uh, was a ColorCast subscriber, just like uh, myself. Uh, you, uh, Your show was with uh, Will. Uh, Jake, I know that you are on mute right now. Uh, uh, Jake, how have you been, man? A fellow New Yorker uh, with uh, Liam here, a fellow Rangers fan. How have you been, my man? Yeah, I got, I got something right now, so I figured I'd have fun. I've been on both your shows like you guys do, uh, I know. Liam, I know you're doing too. You got the gig with the ECHL team, which is which is uh, I think is really cool. So Thank I saw you. you guys were talking trade lines. So yeah, I'll be out of trade trade lines. So I want to talk about. I want to talk about. I'm not sure if you met. You probably did because I know Liam's also a Rangers fan. But I want to talk about what the Rangers did. They, they, they made a couple moves I like. They made the move for Vladimir Tarasenko with St. Louis, and then they make they got they, they got the, the young defenseman. They call him. They call him. They call on that deal too, and then they got Patrick Kane. They got that deal done. Thought they, I thought they were good moves with Tarasenko. You know, he's not the guy that's gonna, you know, like he did the one filming against the Rangers. We threw the entire defense and scored his highlight real goal. And he's not gonna score thirty goals anymore, but he's still a solid top six forward. And I think it, it makes for team better. You know, you, you give up Scotty Blight. He wasn't doing all that much this year. He wasn't even getting. He, he was a healthy scratch. You have the one prospects and then the two draft picks, the, then the one first round. And for Kane, you just have the two picks. You know, it could be could be a first round, could be a second round, and then I think the third or the fourth round. So Kane, similar to Tarasenko, is not the guy that's going to give you 30 goals and 90 points anymore like he has been. You know, he's obviously a little bit nicked up this year, but still, I, I think a solid top six forward. I think that definitely, that definitely helps the Rangers. Well, you know, Jake, uh, I did ask this to uh, Liam as well as Will, and uh, obviously uh, Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane uh, are uh, Stanley Cup champions. Uh, but you know, uh, are they guys that are uh, that uh, fans and media are just reminded of their history? And in terms of the current, are they actually going to be a difference maker as uh, for the New York Rangers? Do you think that those two especially are going to put the team over the hump and uh, contend for a cup? I think they're in that, they're in that like tier with, I mean, I think the Boston Bruins, you can argue are on a tier by themselves. They're, they're, don't see, don't see anything that they, that they don't, don't see a single, single weakness on the hockey team. The Boston Bruins, I think, I think the Rangers are in that 
Eastern that conversation with, you know, the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes. If you want to put Tampa in that conversation because they've been to three straight cups, they've won two of them. Someone's, in order for them not to be the favorite, you can argue someone who's not to beat them and no one's done it yet. I mean, are they going to, I mean, on paper, they probably aren't as good as they were last year. I mean, they have to the finals last year for the reason. I mean, you, you just look at the six, you have Baron, Zabanjad, Chris Cryer, Tarasenko, Kane, all in that top six. sign off here and uh, Liam of course we did go through a bunch of uh, uh, trades and uh, and so on but uh, was there a trade that uh, jumped out at you that could be a real difference maker uh, as uh, um, you know leading up to the playoffs and um, uh, during uh, the run for the cup yeah I think that there's one move that everyone's talking about and one move that not a lot of people are talking about and I'll go for the uh obvious choice and I think Timo Meyer joining the New Jersey Devils I mean that is huge and you know I mentioned at the top of the show that I thought that Timo Meyer was the most valuable trade deadline uh player that was available at this year's deadline uh and the Devils get him and you know I went on previous podcasts before before the Devils had acquired Meyer and I said look you don't think that Tom Fitzgerald the general manager of the Devils is looking around the tri-state area and seeing that the Rangers are on the precipice of acquiring Kane at the time acquiring Tarasenko you know the Islanders getting Bo Horvat he realizes that there's pressure here and he brings in Timo Meyer and he's been injured I don't believe he's played a game with the Devils yet he may have played one or two um, but he's going to add a lot to that top six and it's already a top six that is pretty lethal with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Now, of course, Timo Meyer gets to play alongside Heischer, his fellow countrymate, um, two very good two-way players. The Devils got a lot better uh, at the deadline, and they did well by acquiring Timo Meyer and not giving up any of their top-end prospects. You look at Luke Hughes, he stayed put. Simo Nemich, he stayed put. Alexander Holtz, same thing. They move on from Shakir Makumadulin, um, who was one of their top defensive prospects, a former first-round pick. But if you look at the broader, bigger picture of how much the Devils gave up to get Timo Meyer, it really wasn't a lot. And if they can have some playoff success and subsequently re-sign the player, that's a move I definitely look towards. And an underrated trade that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about. The Winnipeg Jets needed to make changes at this year's deadline. Had a great season, having a great season, but this least recent stretch has been pretty bad. Um, and they acquire Nino Niederreiter, who's one of the best two-way forwards, you know, in the league, you know, at least that's stapled in the bottom six. And he comes over from the Nashville Predators. A second round pick goes for 
you know, goes in exchange for the player. But I just look at what Nashville has done as a whole and Winnipeg bringing in Niederreiter. I think that's a nice trade for them. And I also don't want to move on from this discussion without talking about Matthias Ekholm. And now he goes mm. to the Edmonton Oilers. That's a really nice pickup for Edmonton as well. I think that they... I think Ken Holland realized not to go for the big fish, not to go for Eric Carlson, not to take on that huge contract and have to give up the picks and prospects to make the money work. And instead, he just trades out Tyson Berry, which is a tough loss. Tyson Berry is one of the biggest reasons why their power play is as lethal as it is. He is an excellent power play quarterback. But what the Edmonton Oilers needed was defensive defensemen, and it doesn't get a lot better than Matias Ekholm in this league. So again, if their goaltending can stand up and Randy I know you know a lot about Jack Campbell. I think that they'll have a nice playoff run as well. So a couple of moves I liked um, around the trade deadline. Well, and uh, I do recall uh, the interview uh, that Tyson Berry gave after he was traded. And you just really feel for the guy because, uh, yeah, he was having a – he was having a – you thought that he was going to be a piece uh, for that Edmonton run and uh, that, you know, when you get shipped out, that definitely uh, is a kick to the ego. But, I mean, uh, obviously with uh, having – uh, the best per, uh, player currently in the NHL, uh, not making uh, a cup run yet, of course, being Connor McDavid, uh, you know, is uh, Jack Campbell going to lead uh, the charge? I mean, because uh, Stuart Skinner is having a better year and uh, that uh, Campbell really hasn't uh, had a fit. But uh, uh, in the end, uh, uh, to uh, Liam and if Jake, if you're still around, um, is this all for naught? Are we seeing one of the greatest seasons that have uh, taken place in recent memory? That, of course, being the Boston Bruins. I mean, they picked up Dmitry Orlov. They picked up Garnet Hathaway. Uh, they uh, have not lost uh, 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 10 games yet. Uh, you know, they're just completely killing it. And uh, a lot of people are just uh, putting them as the surefire contenders. Uh, you know, uh, Liam, start with you. And uh, Jake, you know, if you're uh, on as well. Uh, I mean, is there a sole person that you think is more crucial for Boston to succeed and uh, to win this season? Is is there a person more crucial, like Pashnak you're talking about? Or just... Yeah, like is, is there one person uh, or is it just pretty much uh, a complete team effort? Uh, like is there one person, whether it's Pasternak, whether it's uh, Marshan, whether it's Olmark, like is there one person that needs to have a strong run in the playoffs for Boston? It's a good question. And uh, I think it is going to be entirely a team effort, but if you want to circle one player, and I'll circle two players, I think Linus Allmark is number one. I mean, the statistics that Linus Allmark is putting up this season is absolutely ridiculous. He's the runaway winner uh, of the Vesna Trophy, and he was coming off a time in Buffalo prior to when he signed the contract with the Bruins, where he wasn't necessarily great, didn't really stand out as a number one goaltender. The Bruins take a chance on Allmark, and the combination of Allmark and Swayman, I mean, we could talk about Allmark and his Vesna Trophy when season, but Jeremy Swayman's been a really nice compliment to him. And alongside the goaltending tandem, for me, Randy, who really stands out, Hampus Lindholm. Nobody's talking about Hampus Lindholm. I mean, man, what a season he's having. He is a number one defenseman for this Bruins team. I think he's more impactful for this Bruins team on the back end than Charlie McAvoy is. 
That's mm. how good Hampus Lindholm has been this season. But with that said, I do think that there's a lot uh, to saying that is going to be a team effort that's going to push them through the playoffs. I mean, Randy, if you just look at their depth chart, Patrice Bergeron comes back for one year. He looks like the player that he's been during his entire tenure with the Bruins, one of the most important players to their team. David Krejci comes back from overseas. That's a huge addition. You have depth centers like Charlie Coyle, Tomas Nosek, Brad Marchand, Pavel Zaka coming over in a one-for-one trade for Eric Halla in the offseason. That's been a win for the Bruins. Halla's been decent for the Devils, but Zaka has really blossomed into the player New Jersey wanted him to become. They also acquired Tyler Bertuzzi from the Detroit Red Wings. And of course, Bertuzzi, and with his controversy, of course, not getting vaccinated, at least in the beginning, and I believe he might have or, or might not but again that doesn't matter we're talking about what's going on on the ice Bertuzzi is an impact player and Bertuzzi is somebody who likes to grind and get into the dirty areas and if you're pairing them up right now with uh Charlie Coyle a player that likes to play the same way I think that's going to be a really nice addition for them Jake DeBrusque remember there was a time Randy when Jake DeBrusque wanted his way out of Boston uh playing under Bruce Cassidy and exactly when the coaching change is made and Jim Montgomery comes in look at Jake DeBrusque he's a top six forward a solidified top six forward David Pasternak, he just signed his $11.5 million per season extension. You know, we could talk for days about how elite Pasternak is, but you look at these bottom six players. Trent Frederick, who I really like, a former first-round pick. Talk about a guy who plays with grit. Um, Garnet Hathaway, who they acquire from the Washington Capitals. Hathaway is one of the best bottom six players in the league. Dmitry Orlov comes in. He's going to pair right up uh, with Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo with Hampus Lindholm. That's a solid top four. And you have more depth defensemen in Derek Forbert, Matt Grizzlick, Connor Clifton, Jacob Saboral. So this is just an elite roster. It's a special season. Jim Montgomery getting getting over his alcohol issues, returning to the NHL. I'm really happy for him behind the bench. But with that said, I'll end it with this, Randy. They got 103 points through 62 games. They're one win away from a 51 season. They're going to win the President's Trophy. That's all I got to say. So well, you know how uh, President's Trophy winners do in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, uh, uh, I do uh, President's Trophy winners uh, win the Stanley Cup. I mean, there has been a history of uh, that team being snake bit. I mean, I mean, very quickly before I ask you who you think is going to win, what, how do you think Alexander Ovechkin is feeling these days? The fact that, uh, you know, it does seem that the Caps are, you know, in a state of transition right now. It's tough. And, and if I recall correctly, I believe um, Alexander Ovechkin extended with the Capitals for what was it, five years or three to five years uh, this past offseason when he became an unrestricted free agent. And I, I bet he didn't foresee. Um, a retool or a rebuild or whatever the Capitals front office wants to call the moves that they're making. I think that they want to turn it around. They want to get better, but they also want to get younger. I mean, Randy, if you look at prior to this trade deadline, the worst prospect pool in the entire NHL, I believe, belonged to the Washington Capitals. Their mm-hmm. top prospect is Connor McMichael, and they have Hendricks LaPierre as well. Those are two players in Hershey in the American Hockey League who aren't performing too well. So they really needed to replenish their system. So for me, Randy, it comes down to the Capitals not wanting to win a Stanley Cup for the next few years. Of course, you want to win a Stanley Cup, but they see where their roster is at, and now it's just all about the chase um, for Ovechkin getting to 895 goals. Yeah, and uh, if they are going to uh, make a splash uh, in the offseason with free agency, uh, that remains to be seen. Who's going to win the Cup? Who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Put me on the spot, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
All right. Well, first, let's go into the Western Conference just to see who's going to come out. Again, we 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 talked about how weak the Western Conference is. For me and Randy, I'd love to know your thoughts before I give away my Eastern Conference winner. I think it's going to be the Colorado Avalanche. I think they're the best team in the Western Conference. Um, I think they're going to repeat, huh? I think that they're going to repeat, at least getting to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, look at all the other teams, just real quick. Minnesota, they were selling off parts. You know, I don't really trust their goaltending. I think Marc-Andre Fleury is a little bit over the hill. Winnipeg has struggled so much down the stretch here. Nashville and St. Louis, they're not even in the conversation. Vegas, you know, I, yeah, I could see Vegas making a run, but, you know, just more uh, more to be wanted from the Vegas Golden Knights for me. And of course, they're going to be without Mark Stone, who underwent back surgery. We don't know how that's going to impact their roster heading towards the playoffs. The Kings, I don't like their goaltending enough. We just mentioned Jonas Corposal, who had his 85 save performance um, in the bubble in 2020 in the five overtime game against the Lightning. I still don't think that gets you to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, I still think are too young of a team. So for me, it's either Edmonton or Colorado. And I'm not taking Edmonton, so I'm taking Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Colorado right now are sitting eighth in the uh, in the West. Uh, they and I mean, like you mentioned before, uh, uh, Winnipeg's been sputtering. I mean, how many people are taking Dallas seriously? I mean, you think of uh, Ottinger, you think of uh, who they do have. Uh, you know, again, is it all for not? But I mean, like with Vegas. Uh, I guess uh, solidifying their star, uh, their uh, the, their net, uh, you know, quick, uh, you know, uh, being a backup potentially. Like, is it uh, is Vegas uh, going to uh, perhaps make a return to the uh, Cup final? To in the end, I mean, just the fact that Boston is uh, essentially lapped the field at this point. Uh, I mean, you're just taking a flyer on somebody else. That's the way I see it. I mean, maybe the regular season doesn't mean anything. I mean, we can recall uh, the bubble year or sorry, was it the bubble year? Um, no, it wasn't. But uh, Tampa was the president's uh, president uh, trophy champion. They lose to eighth place Columbus. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there's no reason why you can't pick uh, Boston. Uh, who's going to join him in the West? I mean, that's going to be another flyer too. Uh, something something says Vegas to me. That's uh, Something says Vegas. Yeah, I think it's Boston over Vegas in the final. Okay, I like that for sure. Uh, and yeah. you know, I don't want to take any way, anything away from Vegas, but just the uncertainty of Stone's injury. You know, their depth is a little bit different. Jack Eichel, I don't know necessarily if he's the same player that he was prior to his neck surgery. I mean, of course, he's still elite. He's still a top end center in this league, but I just don't know how well it's worked in Vegas. Um, for me, I just mentioned that Boston and the President's Trophy is a little bit of a jinx, so I can't go with Boston. I think they're going to get knocked out in round two. I think okay. they'll win a round, but I think that they'll get knocked out in round two. Randy, I think the Eastern Conference Final is going to be the Rangers against the Maple Leafs. Oh, God, are you kidding? I mean, that's – uh, I mean, I love you. Uh, I love you for that, to include my team uh, with yours, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm just too cynical. I'm sorry. I mean – you know, my father emigrated to Canada. Like, I love uh, mentioning this point. My father emigrated to Canada in 1969, and him and I have seen the bo uh, the same number of cup appearances in the final for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I, of course, is zero. So, <laughs> I and, uh, I mean, obviously uh, not uh, making it past the uh, first round in uh, close to 20 years. Tampa being who they are, I mean, yeah, sure, they're tired, but, I mean... 
I'd be more I, for some reason I'd be more comfortable if uh, the Leafs were playing Carolina. Maybe it's just a superficial uh, surface thing. I mean, Carolina doesn't. I mean, they've had a strong year, obviously, but do they have that history, that track record? I don't know. Uh, Look, if, uh, New York makes the uh, conference final. I think you got another dance partner. Sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to stick to my prediction here. I think it's going to be Rangers Leafs in the Eastern Conference final. I think the Rangers are going to win. So I think you're going to go another year without seeing the Leafs uh, in the Stanley mm. Cup final. Um, but uh, and as far as who wins, I, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to predict my team to lose. But I think that the Rangers in Colorado would be a great series um, and I'd be excited to see it. But uh, but yeah, look, and as far as the Maple Leafs are concerned and about getting over that hump against Tampa Bay, I mean, look, this roster that Kyle Dubas is putting out there for the postseason run and the rest of the regular season. It's far better than the roster that suited up for game seven in Toronto against the lightning. And you know what? I would argue that you have a better goaltender in that too. I mean, I'll ask you, would you rather have Jack Campbell in a game seven or Elias Samsonov in a game seven? I mean, it's, it's riddled with hindsight, but the reality is, is that uh, Jack Campbell, uh, in my opinion, wasn't really the reason why Toronto lost last year. And I mean, like he went to, he went to Edmonton and I don't know, maybe like he, uh, I noticed how uh, self-deprecating he is. And I don't know if that's a, a fault, but uh, he, uh, I think puts a lot of the uh, onus on himself. And I, I don't think he has that kind of mental toughness. I mean, you know, with the season that he's having in Edmonton, uh, with Samsonov having the season that he's having now between the two, yeah, I'd probably say uh, Samsonov. But uh, again, I, I think it's uh, just as a result of this year, if this was last year, um, Samsonov being in uh, Washington, of course, I would have been comfortable with Jack Campbell in net. I mean, uh, he, ha I mean, he came out like gangbusters in the uh, the first half of last year, and then he sputtered, and then he was, uh, you know, he uh, wasn't as mentioned the issue in uh, uh, in last year's playoffs to to Tampa. So, which Jack Campbell are you going to get? Yeah, and and again, hindsight is twenty twenty, uh, as we both spoke about. Um, but my point is, I think that this roster is more equipped to take down the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Lightning have proven that they're, you know, not. You know, of course, an impressive record, 37, 20, and 5, 79 points, a 637 uh, winning percentage. That's uh, nothing to sneeze at. Um, but just something is off for me about this Tampa Bay team. You know, John Cooper benched Kucherov, Stamkos, and Point during the entire third period last night, came out with a harsh statement after the game. I don't know. I, again, I think Cooper's one of the best coaches in the league, but I think there might be a little bit of a disconnect there. Again, they're a tired group. Um, I just like the Leafs' chances, and I'd be interested to revisit this conversation uh, after the first round to see to see what happened, because I think if there's any year for the Leafs to get over that first-round hump, I think this is it. I really do. As long as the goaltending stands up, it's the only thing. Well, one thing I am hopeful is that uh, whether it's during the playoffs or immediately after when the cup is awarded, that uh, you and Will will join me. Uh, this has been such a blast. I know that you guys are so immersed in all sports and, uh, you know, maybe we could throw in a little basketball and see how uh, our uh, baseball teams are doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, between you and Will, uh, you guys are, are just so passionate about sports. I mean, the knowledge that you've dropped, I mean, uh, and uh, everything you're doing now in Atlanta being uh, uh 
in your communications and broadcasting capacity with the with the gladiators uh you know continued uh, success uh, for you uh, uh liam and uh, really really looking forward to doing it again soon thank you likewise randy and uh, again we're gonna have you on uh, on the png sports show sometime soon as well um and i'd be uh thrilled alongside will to join you back again um for your podcast um after the playoffs or before the playoffs start yeah, sounds great. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely uh, organize something. He is Liam Godimer, as mentioned, Director of Broadcasting and Communications for the Atlanta Gladiators of the East Coast Hockey League. My thanks as well to Will Pesek, uh, producer for News 12 at Hunter Valley in New York. I'm Randy Coure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>